0: and gentlemen, welcome to the Walk Show podcast, where we talk about the walk of life. Uh, the Walk Show has been out for a little over a year now, and uh, as part of that, we've also redesigned the logo. So thank you, Brett Lindley, uh, who was kind enough to, to give me uh, and create for me a really awesome new logo. So if you, if you look on your podcast app at the thumbnail, you'll notice it. Uh, if you go on social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, you can see the, the new logo there. Um, But I just couldn't be more delighted with it. So thank you for that, Brett. I also want to thank, as always, Misha Zerens for providing the music for today's episode. Uh, Really enjoy splicing the music in there and and really appreciate Misha lending his talent for that as well. You see how this works, folks? I just know other talented people, and for whatever reason, they help me out. So uh, good for you, though, because you get to experience it also. Um, Today's episode is just a thought that i had after listening to a recent episode of the joe rogan podcast actually um and it's just kind of around the idea of of ignorance breeding fear and and kind of what the outcomes of that can be and maybe just some some ways to to think about that that maybe will help you avoid such an outcome for yourself um either way really appreciate you guys listening and without further ado let's get on with the show There is this guy named Daryl Davis, uh, who you may have heard of. Uh, He's been around the news cycles for a few years. I think he's even got maybe a documentary on Netflix. Um, Daryl Davis is a black guy who has, according to him, directly or indirectly converted about 200 people from the KKK. So they're KKK members, and then either through meeting and speaking with Daryl, and I guess in some... Some situations, them becoming familiar with his work, I think some of his writings. But either way, after this experience, these people ultimately leave the KKK. Now, it's not necessarily the day they meet him or the day that they've spoken with Daryl, but ultimately that's kind of what they do. Um, Daryl was recently on the Joe Rogan podcast. Uh, I realize that my podcast sometimes is just a derivative of Joe Rogan, but what can I say? The man's got good content. Um so anyway, so so Daryl Davis it was on um sometime in January, I think, of of I yeah, whatever, we'll say January of 2020. Cannot recommend the episode enough. Uh certainly listen to the walk show episodes, any that you haven't caught up on first, but <laughs> once you're done with that, feel free to head on over to Joe Rogan. And uh but yeah, look for the Daryl Davis episode. I it it's super interesting. Um, growing up in the Midwest, you know, I, I went to school my whole life with almost all white kids. Very few minorities. Um, despite that, I was actually able to have a somewhat diverse friend group, especially for being from the Midwest here. But, um, but whatever. The point just being that that racism is something that unfortunately does still exist, right? Which we saw with the Unite the Right rally in Charlottesville a few years ago. Um, And just, you know, you can go online and go look at a a comment section of (laughs) just about any video and you'll find someone saying, you know, tossing around racial slurs or something. Even if not, you know, not at someone who, that a particular slur would be targeted at normally, right? Like, my point being that people will just use vile language just to use vile language. Um, but either way, it's it's something that um, I've always thought a lot about, and I've always really struggled to, to understand racism. Um, it's something that I've had people... In, in my life, which I'm sure many people have, but where someone around you will make a comment that's inappropriate or, um, and when I say inappropriate, I mean, you know, I, I guess I don't know what a slight too small would be, but um, I mean, I've just had people just straight up, you know, just drop the N-word in, in my presence or tell me a racist, racist joke thinking that I guess because I'm also a white guy that I don't, uh, care about that or that i i don't mind and, and really I, it couldn't be further from the truth it bothers me immensely so the reason i bring all of this up and is because daryl davis is on the joe rogan podcast for like you know between two and three hours so there's a lot of a lot of stuff but there was one story in particular he told that i thought just summarized um the the absurdity of racism to begin with, and 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 the cause of it. Um, and then as I thought about it, it actually I realized that, that the lesson that he extracts from this story actually just applies to a lot of things. So I'll, I'll try and tie that all together for us here. So stick with me. I'm going to try and recreate this story as told by Daryl Davis. Um, certainly, if you tune in and, and listen to his telling of it, I'm sure it will be more rich in detail um, and probably better told. But I just want to get the nuts and bolts of it to get to the point, which is is fascinating, I think. So, at one point in time, Daryl Davis is uh, going to meet with a local KKK leader. And he wants to do an interview with the guy. So, he arranges an interview with this guy. He doesn't tell the guy that he's black ahead of time. He says that if... In in talking to the his manager or whoever it is that's arranging this meeting, he says, you know, if if he asks that if Daryl is black, then then to be honest about it, so to not trying to lie to the guy at all, but to to not not bring it up, and and this way, the guy won't prepare for interviewing with, you know, his his own perceived enemy, the black person, right, and instead, um will be coming at it more open. And then, you know, he'll meet Daryl before the interview. And so if he's not comfortable proceeding, then he doesn't have to at that point. But this way, he's not just dismissing it out of hand or or something. So they meet at this motel and it's Daryl and his manager and then the KKK leader and his bodyguard. There's four people. So they get there and they start having the conversation and Daryl wants to interview him and try and understand the the Ku Klux Klan or white supremacists because it's not it's not specific to the organization really, but really just the white supremacist agenda. You know, why do they think what they think, and and how do they come to these conclusions? And so, you know, the the KKK, for example, will um, cite themselves or at least did previously as a a religious organization, um, which obviously is not. Legit, right? A hate group is not simultaneously a <laughs> a Christian organization, um, even if they say they are. So, so daryl has brought his Bible along because he intends to have his Bible available. So if he needs to show, he wants you know if if, if it comes to that part of the conversation, he wants to be able to pull his Bible out and have. This guy show him the specific verses that talk about racism, right? Because because there aren't any, is actually how that shakes out. Um. So anyway, so they're having this conversation. Well, well, Daryl has a, a bag of stuff, like his Bible and a tape recorder, and just some other things that he, he's brought along with him. Well, he notices that throughout this this first hour or so of this meeting, that any time he reaches into his bag to get something out, the bodyguard of the KKK person kind of tenses up and moves his hand up to his hip next to where his pistol is and Daryl is not upset with him for this I mean he gets it they don't know who he is and and that guy's job is to protect them so whatever and it's not like he's threatening Daryl each time he's just you know just just being alert and being ready so as they're sitting there talking um Eventually, the the bodyguard kind of recognizes that Daryl's not going to be a threat, right? And so he stops tensing up every time Daryl reaches in the bag. So they're talking for a bit more, and then all of a sudden, Daryl hears what he thinks is the sound of a gun cocking, like a kind of noise, right? And so in the blink of an eye, because that, you know, split-second kind of decision... He decides that he knows he didn't make the noise, and he knows his manager didn't bring a gun, so it has to be one of those two. So he decides he's going to get up and bang on the table to kind of startle him, and then he's going to dive across the table and try and tackle both of these guys in the hopes that he'll prevent whatever plot they currently have. Um, Now, if you were to see Daryl Davis... (laughs) I don't know that he's a man that 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 leaps across a table very successfully, um, but I understand where he's coming from. Right, he's he's trying to, to 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 save himself. You know, is is what he's preparing for. So that's what happens. He jumps up, he bangs his hands on the table, and he looks at the KKK leader, and he can see in that guy's face that that guy is not he doesn't it his his face and his eyes don't look like he's trying to to be deceitful anyway he looks confused also and i I can't remember if I, I think Daryl says like what did you do and then the other and the, the kKK guy responds what did you do and in this this little moment um his manager says whoa whoa wait guys I think, I think I know what's going on. You heard a noise, and that noise is that we have an ice bucket that we brought that has drinks in it, and some of the ice is melted. And so one of the cans or whatever shifted, and that's what made that noise that sounded like a gun cocking, at least loosely, right? And so everyone breathes a huge sigh of relief. They all start laughing, and the tension in the room is, is greatly reduced. Um... And so the, the, the lesson that Daryl extracts from that, which I think is very accurate, is that ignorance very easily can lead to fear, right? Because in that moment, and this is all, I mean, all of this moment happens within 15 seconds, right? Which is why I love this story so much, because it's such a short story to illustrate such an important point. In that that 15 seconds, they hear a noise, they don't know what it is. Well, Daryl, at least, is afraid of what he thinks the implications of that noise are. And so immediately, he responds to that. And if he was right, if it was a gun, then he's probably right to try and do whatever crazy action movie thing he's going to do, right? I mean, if they're just going to shoot him, you may as well try and disrupt it. And so, in his head, he's got all of these conclusions that he's jumping to where he needs to get there. He, he needs to solve this problem now. Luckily, somehow he was he was able to accurately read the expression of the other person and under, and, and, and wait just a second before escalating it any further to then allow for a little bit of space. For that to get resolved, right? And it turns out that the noise was nothing, that the noise was not significant at all. The noise was nothing to be afraid of. Probably in any other conversation, if that noise happens, they identify it as the ice shifting, because that doesn't really sound like a gun clicking. But in his head, this is exactly the kind of person who would be clicking a gun to come at him, right? So it it makes a lot of sense why he's as afraid as he is, and it makes a lot of sense the plan that he develops to try and and correct or or resolve the situation that he finds himself in, except that that's not the situation that he's actually in, right? The situation he's actually in is it's just some ice melting. So, and I think that that just, I mean, it perfectly explains... At, at least the, f- the the foundation of racism. I mean, I think that ongoing racism is is more of a taught thing. Um, you know, I, I think there are people who at least young people who ha- hold certain beliefs or ideas and it's not it's just because that's what they were taught. but it's probably also to some extent because they still all are also ignorant right because they're not exposed to, to to people of a different race, which is so crazy to even have to say, because they're not different. <laughs> they're, meeting a white person isn't different from meeting a black person, isn't different from meeting an Asian person. It, it, they're all people. But anyway, so I, I just, I, I, was, I couldn't believe that while this guy is talking to a KKK leader, so that really the whole premise of their conversation is racism, and then they get this moment that just illustrates so perfectly how it can even exist to begin with because it's just based on ignorance and then that ignorance leads to fear and and, and then the fear leads to plans and schemes and, and, and actions that if the fear were true would be legitimate but the fear is not true but that doesn't make the actions or the plans or the schemes not real also, right? So even though the fear is totally baseless, people's lives are destroyed, killed, ruined over over racism. And it it's just based out of ignorance. And so, again, I thought that this was really compelling as a, a perfect explanation of again of how racism originates and, and as soon as i heard the story i i, I took notes and wrote it down because i wanted to share it with you guys because i again it's a topic and a subject that's important to me and, and one that i uh, i always want to try and advocate um against right racism So I, I, I'm thinking about it, and and I was talking, um, I was talking actually to my coach, uh, at which you guys, if you've listened to previous episodes, Ashley Thomas, the, the Queen Bee on the Wall. Um, I've actually I, I actually have hired her as as my my life coach, uh, and she's great. She's super awesome. It, it's been an experience that I I it's exceeded all of my expectations, and and, and actually it ties into this too. Just the fact that I even have a coach now, but, but so I'm talking to her and I'm sharing this story with her because I thought it was so interesting and it kind of dawned on me that, that really ignorance breeds fear, not just in relationships with people and not just between, you know, races of people, but in all things, you know, the walk show just hit the one year mark um, just within these last couple of weeks. And I i mean, I've said it many times on the show. I love doing this show. I love doing this show because I get to talk about anything that I want to talk about. And I get to meet interesting people, people like Ashley Thomas, right? Like I get to to, to meet and know new and interesting people. And I i wouldn't have, if it, if I wasn't doing the podcast... And the reason that I, I, I tie it to the podcast is, is because it's an example of when I started the podcast, I didn't know what I was doing. I mean, you could argue I still don't know what I'm doing. Um, I don't have a theme for the show. The show's named after me. We do have new artwork now, which looks cool. Thank you, Brett Lindley. But I mean, the show is, you know, it's just me in my garage. Basically, I don't actually have a garage, so I'm not literally there. but But basically, right? But when I did it, and this is rare for me, but when I started the podcast, when I started the walk show, I just did it. I just went for it. I, 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 I just decided to pursue it and see what happens. Now, I, I, I think that there's a lot of value in taking action. Um, but that doesn't mean that action without consideration is always important. For example, if in the story I just shared, if Daryl Davis wouldn't have stopped and paused for just that extra half a second that he did or whatever and would have just jumped across the table. he might not be around to tell the story anymore, right So I'm not I'm not suggesting that the intellectual consideration or slowing down things is is wrong at all. I, I think there's a ton of value in that. but I think that there is also an enormous amount of value in in taking action and the reason i'm I'm saying that is because, I think that a lot of people and I know I've fallen this boat myself will have an idea for something that they want to do or pursue or try or change or whatever. And then they sit and talk themselves out of, out of it or at least put enough, um, unpleasant feeling thoughts around it that they aren't going to, that they, they procrastinate doing it for a long time. Um, And I I think that there are things that you can know and learn only from doing. And so I, I, I think it's really important to not let the ignorance that you have on any given subject, if you haven't actually done it, if you haven't actually invested yourself in it, then that means you're ignorant to it. I don't care what you've read about it. I don't care what you know. You're ignorant to it if you haven't actually lived it. And so then you can calculate a bunch of fears, and those fears could very well be made up. Now, again, does this apply to every single situation? No. You should not go commit some crime that's going to end you in, in jail. I've never been to jail. I don't actually know what it's like to go there. But I don't think I need to find out. I think I'm good, right? I think I hope to plan to never find that one out. The reason I use that example or the reason that I make that point though is because whenever whenever topics like this come up, it's so easy for people to be dismissive and for people to say, well, that that's not true or that doesn't hold up because look, here's an example of where that doesn't apply, i.e. going to prison. Well, just because you're afraid of going to prison without having gone there doesn't mean you should go to prison to find out if you really want to go or not. Yep, perfectly valid example. And that ties back into something else that we've talked a lot about here, which is the idea that, that things are nuanced. And things are... There's there's more than one side to things, right? There There's a balance of things. So it's appropriate to consider things, and it's appropriate to take action. You know, there's cliches like the world belongs to the bold. There's a lot of truth to that. There's a lot of truth to that because... You could have the best idea, and the guy who has half of the idea but has the willingness to go actually pursue it, he he wins. He wins the day over the good idea that never got pursued, right? So it's it's all reasonable. Um, it's reasonable to think that action has a lot of value, because it does. But there's also a lot of consideration. If you just literally never considered anything eventually you walk out into traffic and and that's the end of you, right? So, I mean, you can real quickly get to a point where you need uh, an example where you need to think about things too. So it's not an either or. I'm not advocating that you only act or you only think. I'm advocating that you do both and that you evaluate in situations which one you need to do more, right? But I think that, that all of that being said it can be a lot easier to get stuck in these intellectual thought loops, right? Where you're just thinking about something and considering it and weighing it and trying to make sure that you protect yourself. And and again, you know, like I, I cannot stress enough, just pursue it. Just go for it. A buddy of mine and I ran a junk removal company. I don't know if you guys have ever heard of 1-800-GOT-JUNK. It's a national franchise that, that literally shows up and hauls away junk that you can't, like, fit in your dumpster, right? Or, or maybe there's so much, like, uh, a common one would be, like, maybe someone has passed away and, and doesn't have a family. Or even, no, that's not even fair. Even does have a family, but not an immediate family that's going to take their stuff. And so the, the house needs to get cleaned out. Well, you might hire a company like 1-800-GOT-JUNK to come in and, and remove that stuff. So my buddy and I started a company that was exactly the business model of 1-800-GOT-JUNK, except we didn't have a 1-800 number, so we weren't national, right? We were local only, uh, and we were cheaper, and that was it. And I I thought, going into that, that I understood kind of what the business we were going to get into is. But the lessons that I learned from that are things that I would not have learned had I not experienced it. And and these are not complicated ideas that, um, that and I'll, I'll share one, an example of one. It's not like it's some super tricky calculus problem or something or, or that it requires some great mental aptitude to understand. It's just that I wouldn't have understood it until I actually lived it. One such example, so like I said, we're offering the same service, but we're cheaper. Well, when you start, new in business like that it's it's really easy to make the assumption that like well i need to 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 beat out my competitor so the way i'm going to do that is by offering a little bit lower price well that's all fine except that there's a certain type of customer that wants the lowest priced version of whatever thing service product whatever it is is available and it's not all people that buy the lowest uh, price thing. It doesn't mean that all of them are are this way. However, what what we found is that when you service the person who is already kind of disgruntled about paying for the service, they nitpick everything. They want to haggle things, they want to nickel and dime, they want to accuse you of nickel and diming. The whole thing is built on this tension of they want to pay the cheapest possible price that they can. And as the business, you, you're trying not to work for free, right? So, so you're trying to, to make a, a, a livable wage and have some dignity about it, but you also feel compelled to to meet the demands of this lower price and, and, and still satisfy that customer, right? But then whenever we would do jobs for for more well-to-do, Customers and and again, I'm not talking about like uh, I, it, this isn't a, this isn't about trying to shame anyone that that has a lower income or something. That's not the point that I'm making at all. Because again, it's not all low income people. It's some, but it's still this is still a a true lesson, and that is is that the people who and maybe it has nothing to even do with their what their income is because it's not like we looked at their bank accounts or something, but just simply the the the, the attitude that they have. And again, the low-price shopper versus someone who's wanting the best service that they can get and price is not their primary consideration. Well, what happened with those kinds of clients is that they're super easy to get along with. They're super easy to work with. They don't think that we're nickel-and-diming them. They don't try and and nickel-and-dime us. And when we show up, we explain what the service we're going to provide is. We explain what the cost of that is. And they either agree or disagree, and we walk away, and that's it. But you get that through actually being at a higher price point than you do a lower price point, right? And and so it's not to say that you shouldn't enter the service industry at a lower price point, but that's what you're going to get. You're going to deal with people who are incredibly demanding, and let's even assume that they're the same level of demanding, Well, at the lower price point, you're doing that same, you're servicing that same demanding customer for a lower price than if you're going to have to be bending over backwards anyway. It may as well be with the higher paying client, right? Anyway, the point just being that I would not have understood that having a lower price point can have other implications. Now, that again, I'm not advocating that no one have low cost services available, I am a fan of low cost services. So, and I don't mean to imply that if someone uses low cost services that they are then chintzy or cheap or or, or whatever. Because again, that it's not true across the board. Again, there's a balance. Again, there's nuance, right? So I'm not making a blanket stereotype statement about people. What I am saying though is that again, if you have the low, the if your plan is to race to the bottom, the customer that is attracted to the company who's racing to the bottom is different <laughs> than, than the customer who's not. Um, now, is that lesson super hard to wrap your head around? Of course not. Does it sound profound for me to explain it? Probably not. But it's something that I wouldn't have known without, without doing it. And so I, I, I guess the, 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 the plane that I'm trying to land with all of this is that ignorance breeds fear. And that fear can breed really, really serious outcomes. And those outcomes can be completely unnecessary because the fear was bullshit. And a big part of the reason that I think people get caught up in fear is because they don't actually just go out and do whatever it is that they're thinking about. And it doesn't mean going and starting a business or starting a podcast or going out and doing, uh, performing live somewhere. It, it doesn't mean that it has to be something that's, that maybe seems like a big, like, for me, an example of it is meditating. And I've talked about this on, on multiple shows. But I used to think that meditating was where you sit with a clear head for an hour and have no thoughts. And so you're this like Zen-like state. And, and that if you're not doing that, then you're not actually meditating. So, so for me, the fear, my ignorance was I hadn't actually spent very much time meditating, so I didn't really know how it worked, but I thought I did. And my fear was that I didn't actually think I could do it well. And so I'm wasting my time to do it. Right. So I'm not going to do it. Well, then for the past several months, I've actually developed a daily meditation routine. And I found that I don't keep my mind clear for an hour. It probably is only clear for If I meditate for 10 minutes, I bet my mind is clear for less than a full minute of that time. But the value of it is that I get to practice thoughts entering my mind, and then as fast as I can remember, which sometimes is five seconds and sometimes might be a full five minutes, I remember, oh yeah, I'm meditating, push that thought out, return to my mantra or my breathing or my counting or whatever it is that I'm focusing on in the meditation. And then hold that for as long as I can. And inevitably, another thought is going to come in. And again, I will chase that down a rabbit hole. Not even intentionally, because that's just how my mind works, right? And I think most people. And so then, as fast as I can, I remember that I'm meditating. And what that's taught me is it's practice for slowing down. for, For taking a moment to let things, to let things kind of go, for being able to have a lot of thoughts in my head. Sometimes things that I'm, again, I'm down the rabbit hole. I'm really thinking about it. And then being able to just say, wait, stop and push it out and go back to, to empty, even if it's only briefly. Well, what it's, what I've actually found it to be like is like lifting weights for the mind. It's incredible. I, I really find a lot of value in meditation. But I wouldn't have known, and I didn't know, until I just started trying. So, again, I, I've, probably, I've probably lost some of you at this point. Um, I just think that there's a, a really powerful lesson in that story. First of all, about racism and, and bigotry in general, and how ignorance leads to fear, and fear leads to hate. But it's unfounded but that doesn't make it any less consequential or serious. And and then beyond that that I think that it applies to literally everything, literally all things in life. You can be paralyzed by a fear that is actually meaningless. And it's it's the it's the cliche JFK the only thing to fear is fear itself. But there's some truth in that. Now again, it's not blanket true. There are things that you are afraid of that you should be afraid of. For me, one of those would be going to prison, right? Like, I don't ever want to do that. And I'm going to hold on to that and I think my fear of that is healthy, (laughs) right? Uh, Just like you, you wouldn't want to burn your hand on a stove. Now, I don't know that you would say you walk around in fear of that, but to some extent, that's ultimately what motivates it, right? Is that it would suck super bad to burn your hand on the stove. So, you just don't do that. You make sure to take enough caution to not do that and I think that caution is appropriate in many circumstances. I do think that there is also a risk of over caution that leads people to have confusing painful experiences that are actually all all based on an, on a lie and that's and that's tough because, Again, that's why I keep saying that the, the consequences and the outcomes of this fear are very real still, and that sucks if 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 things go bad based on nothing, and especially if you could have found out just by just by trying, just by putting yourself out into the world and whatever context or capacity that may be, um, and that's you know that's what that's what Daryl Davis is living right now, getting people out of the KKK. And he doesn't just they don't just like write him a letter that they quit. Like he's collected a lot of these robes. Like they're giving him his robes, right? Or excuse me, giving him their robes that they used to wear. Um, I mean it's a it's a they're and it it's not because he's harping on him or preaching at him. It's because he's just asking them questions. Um, and and they're questions that they don't have good answers to because they're they're bullshit, right? The answers that they want to have don't actually hold up, and so after having to actually scrutinize and consider them, they, they can't stay with it. Either way, uh, yeah, Daryl Davis is his name, D-A-R-Y-L. Uh, and again, I saw him on the Joe Rogan podcast, but there are many other places and appearances that he's made, but I, I highly recommend that you look him up. I find him to be... An incredibly inspiring guy. Uh, he's also a, a non-famous <laughs> musician uh, professionally, and and I I just think he's a very charming and, and wonderful guy. But don't let uh, don't let ignorance generate a lot of fear for you. And if that's happened, try and combat that fear by educating yourself. Whether that be through action or maybe that is actually through. Some intellectual exercise, like reading or, or whatever, but you're still doing because you're still putting more information in your in your head about it, so that you can make a more informed decision or have a more informed opinion, or whatever that is. But take action. Don't just sit and just consider things on your own on your own without introducing new information, new behaviors, new people, new relationships, whatever that may be, because that will at least take you in a direction. Uh, and not just cause you to be stagnant and stuck in in some made-up prison (laughs) in your own head, right? All right, folks, well, that is going to do it for today's show. Thank you so much for tuning in, and again, thank you, Misha, for providing the music. Uh, I also do want to mention uh, my other podcast, Pick Up Your Sticks, that I co-host with Brett Lindley. Yes, the same Brett Lindley who designed the new Walk Show logo. Pick Up Your Sticks is a video game podcast uh, where we talk about why gaming matters. So it's not limited to just news and reviews and current topics. Uh, We certainly cover some of that, but we also just talk about really why it is important to us and what we get out of it and ways that it helps us that isn't always related to to just being a better gamer right sometimes it's just being a better person Um, either way again really appreciate it hope you guys have a great rest of the week stay up